I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. here. We have a great show for you guys today. As always, you can check us out here live on the DraftKings Network, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, uh, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, all those great places here. We have a wall-to-wall Super Bowl 58 recap as, once again, the Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions. Dad, they become the first team to go back-to-back as Super Bowl champions since those early 2000s Patriots teams. It had been almost two decades since that had happened, and there is no question about it now. We get to put a D on it. It is dynasty time for this version of the Kansas City Chiefs, Dad, as they get it done in a game that you were at. You were on the sideline. So uh, what did it look like, feel like, smell like as we saw an overtime walk-off on the corndog redux, the whip motion play to McCole Hardman to give the uh, Lombardi trophy back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I, it, it was somewhat surreal because you kind of felt it coming, right? I mean, San Francisco was playing better. They, they were the better team in this game for, for, for a lot of the game. But you just kept saying they're not scoring touchdowns. They're playing better, but they don't have a big lead. You know, they're not putting more points on the board. And Patrick Mahomes. 
you, that, that just kept echoing for everybody, like, okay, you know, they should be up more than this. Uh, I mean, Kansas or San Francisco, they were, they were shooting themselves in the foot while chunk yardage, gaining that yardage over the middle, over the middle, just what we have been talking about all week. It's just what, what they like to do. The, well, we'll get to it. The frustration on the sideline of Kelsey, you know, going up to Andy Reid and just so frustrated ends up bumping Andy Reid. I was on that sideline when it happened. The players trying to calm Kelsey down, you know, at, at one point in that game, there had been just five completions for Mahomes from how long through the game Kelsey had just one catch and one target and the frustration on that side. But it was it was interesting at a point on that sideline, which I was on for, for most of the half, the, I was on the, actually the whole first half, you just saw, you didn't see a lot of emotion on the Kansas City side. And then you start, you start bringing up the thought process, process, is it poise or panic, right? Are they, are they sitting there shell-shocked at what's going on? Or are they just sitting there with poise knowing, eh, we've been down this road before, we've been behind in all the playoff games, and we've come back, so there's no need to panic at this mode because we know, or at this moment, because we know we can come back. That was pretty wild because I was pretty amazed on the sideline outside of uh, Chris Jones one time going off a little bit on the sideline or Kelsey with, you know, the, the bump heard around the world. There really wasn't a lot going on on the sideline. Almost, almost you, if you didn't know anybody, you'd say, wow, do you have that far away look in their eyes in the first half going, my God, we can't, we can't move the ball. We can't stop them. They're really kind of hurting themselves with penalties and a turnover to San Francisco. Yet, I, I, I guess we lean toward the poise side, right? Because they just did what they well, do, and, and it's Pat, and here you go. I was going to say, I think a lot of that ties into what you mentioned. They had been down in all these playoff games. They're right? used to this situation. My favorite Mahomes stat from NFL Research before the game was going into that game last night. Mahomes had been 8-2 and two in his career in playoff games where the Chiefs trailed by more than a touchdown. No other quarterback who had started 10 or more of such games had even a winning record since 1950. And after last night, the Chiefs now move, and Patrick Mahomes now moves, to 9-3 and three in games where they are down by 7 or more points at any point in the postseason. So that's just one of those things that it's the old military saying, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. And and the level of the Chiefs training, I think never more apparent than this, Dad. There's obviously a lot that we want to get into with the game. Uh, the biggest moments that we saw go through here. Certainly uh, some coaching decisions that came up late in that game. But I want to work back to front because I think a lot of people this morning are going to be talking about the new overtime rules in the right, NFL right, right. in wake of Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen and the Bills part one from a couple of years ago. We now have an overtime where both teams get an offensive possession no matter if they score or not before they move into the sudden death portion of things and it presented an interesting strategy option the overtime came and Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers won the toss and elected to receive the ball first they got the ball first and Kyle Shanahan when asked about this after the game said and you talked to him dad after the game yeah. so I, I should say yeah. that what was the explanation he gave you when you got to sit down and chat with him post game after the loss well, he used that word. He used that word analytics, right? Uh, he said, you know, we thought about it, discussed it, and there was the analytics of it 
And he said, basically, we wanted the ball third. So, as you mentioned, you each get a possession. Now, the only time it would have been one possession if you get a defensive touchdown, you always have to throw that in there. But yep. but this is because of Josh Allen and Mahomes a few years ago in the playoff game when Josh Allen never got a chance to get on the field because Kansas City scored a touchdown. They said, oh, we can't have that happen anymore. So each team gets a possession unless there's a defensive score, and then we go to sudden death. So basically, Kyle was like, we wanted the ball third. We score, they score. If we go to sudden death, we have the ball, and we score, we win. That was kind of his thought process there. But we were talking before the show, and if you give me a better thought, because the, the normal thought was you defer. And kind of, kind of like college rules, let's see what the other team does, and then we know what we have to do. But I, I thought what you said before the show, and we were just chatting, to me would have made more sense to say they had just come off. Remember, there's no break. This isn't like, you know, you get an extra, extra, you know, kind of rest period. It's like you go out there, you do coin toss, and you start to play. That San Francisco defense just came off an 11-play drive where, where Kansas City went down, tied this game up to send it to overtime. So 11 plays, 64 yards, I know. And, and worse, it was only in a minute 50. So that's 11 plays in one minute and 50 seconds. Imagine the rotation, hands on the hips, tired. Yep. And I would have I accepted that one more to say, our defense was gassed, man, because they were. And then to put them right back out on the field again would have been a tough call to do. And I think you could factor all of that in there, right? And I'm sure Kyle Shanahan didn't to some extent. I talked to Mina Kimes yesterday for her podcast that'll come out this morning, and she brought up Seth Walder over at ESPN in their analytics department had polled, all, uh, I think, all of the members of the analytics departments around the NFL about this particular decision and said it was about a 50-50 split. It's a new frontier. There is a lot of information, and I, yeah. I think it's going to be so case by case. But I mentioned the rise to the occasion, fall to your training line, because – Dad, we've talked a lot about the aggressive decision-making that has been analytically inclined and how prepared your team with it is. We said Dan Campbell's squad. They expect to go for it on fourth down. We hear it from all their players. They know what's right. coming, and they're coached by it. This was interesting. Lindsey Jones over at The Ringer wrote this last night uh, about both teams' preparedness for that postseason moment in overtime. Uh, she said uh, it was Kansas City Chief Safety Justin Reed told the ringer that the Chiefs had first discussed the new overtime rules as far back as training camp. And D-Lyman Chris Jones told the players we were prepared for ex what to expect if the Super Bowl went to overtime. Jones said, quote, we talked through this for two weeks, how we were going to give the ball to the opponent, and if they scored, we were going to go for two at the end of the game. We rehearsed it. Meanwhile, the 49ers did not do the same. Multiple San Francisco players said after the game they were not aware of the overtime rules being different from the playoffs than they are in the regular season, and that strategy discussions over how to handle the overtime did not occur as a team. Defensive lineman Eric Armstead said he learned of the details of the postseason rule when it was showed on the Allegiant Stadium Jumbotron during a TV timeout after regulation. So that, Dad, while it's not everything, it's certainly yeah. something, yeah. and it's emblematic of just what a job Andy Reid does taking care of situations. It's what we heard about the Belichick coach teams for so long in that Patriots dynasty, and so it's hard to act surprised when this Chiefs team finds so much success so often when this is the level of preparation that you're talking about that clearly is not you ubiquitous is not common everywhere yeah they had a plan and they've been through it before again I, I i think that that says a lot about a team 
when they're prepared for this. You could kind of tell it during the week. There was a little more complaining of things about San Francisco, the turf, and other things that they were practicing on. And for the Chiefs, it was just like, you know what? We're just going through the week. We're doing what we do. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I get it. You know, I, even though some of these guys had been to the Super Bowl before on San Francisco and lost, unfortunately, and then came up short the last couple of years in the NFC Championship game. And and I, I, I think there are more players than we think, in all honesty, Mike, that wouldn't have known the new overtime rules. I, I, that wouldn't shock me to hear some players not knowing that, but certainly the coach preparing you like Andy Reid did. Because if you look at it, it went like a normal overtime, right? Field goal, your other team would get the ball on a field goal. That's exactly what happened. San Francisco gets a field goal. And, you know, they're going to get the ball. If they score a touchdown, you win the game. So you never even get to the next part of it. No, I, I totally get that. I'm not saying it had a drastic effect. To me, it's just one of those things. You are how you do everything. And the Chiefs, you're right, right being part of the game that was the impetus for this rule change. No doubt we're going to be more aware of it than others. Dad, overall in this game, I, I found this really hard to evaluate on the back end. Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP in the most obvious decision of all time. He finishes this game. One, he started in a pretty pedestrian fashion in the yes. first half, like you mentioned. 34 of 36 for 333 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, and led the team in rushing with nine carries, mostly on scrambles outside of one very big zone read call. Nine carries for 66 yards in that game. He was overwhelming, Dad, in a game in a year where offensively we can say this was probably the worst roster of the Mahomes era, and I say that relative knowing two other teams. He put on one of his best performances in that second half in overtime where Dad, we always do the bit on Mondays after games. Did such and such team win the game or did the other team lose the game? And I really, it really seems like the Chiefs just went out, whether it was multiple defensive yeah. critical stands on third downs or with Patrick Mahomes in this offense, went out and won this a lot more than the 49ers lost it in any particular juncture, I thought. Oh, I, I agree. I agree because both teams stubbed their toe with penalties. Both teams stubbed their toe with turnovers. I mean, you look at you look at this game overall and the what Kansas City didn't do a whole lot in the red zone, right? I mean, they were they were kicking field goals or fumbled the ball in their first possession in, in, in the red zone. And San Francisco had been had given up the second least amount of drives in the red zone all year, only behind Cleveland. Now, Kansas City got into the red zone a few times, but they couldn't put it away. You know, they they the one touchdown they had before overtime was off the muff punt. I mean, what a, I mean, you go a whole season and one of the biggest turnovers is, you know, one of your guys coming down to cover on a punt doesn't get away on a Peter Peter call that the, that the return man is waving his arms. He keeps running down and the ball of all the space everywhere, the ball happens to hit off of his ankle and Ray Ray McLeod saw that I, I was literally standing right there when I saw it come down and you saw the ball come shooting out and I'm like, oh my God. It hit one of the four, uh, one of the 49ers, and Ray Ray is starting to run after that ball, and he tried to pick it up instead of falling on it because he thought he had a little bit of room. But that was the one time they're in the red zone and they score right away. The other times it was a fumble in the first drive or a field goal they were getting. So San Francisco is actually doing a decent job when KC got into the red zone. But I agree with you. Kansas City won this game. Defenses were strong early on. 
There were mistakes. The Mahomes interception was all on him. It was a bad throw by him. It looked like he was going to do a jump pass, and then he lands down and throws it and throws that interception. But they, their defense, I was interested. It was interesting to me. They weren't going after blitzing a whole lot early. They were they were pedestrian in the blitz rate in the regular season. I think like 28th or something like that. And then in the playoffs, they picked it way up. And then you have the numbers in the Super Bowl. They picked it up even further than that. They started bringing the heat on, on Purdy and that San Francisco offense, and they were getting home. They did. Uh, according to the next-gen stats, the Chiefs defense blitzed Purdy on 51.2% of dropbacks, their fourth-highest rate in a game under Steve Spagnola. That, that being said, and why I say I have a hard time looking at San Francisco and going, man, you did X wrong. Outside of the special teams, you had the blocked extra point, which changed the entire complexity yeah, of the game. Yeah. And then you had that uh, a fumble on the punt return, which, to your point, the punt returner is yelling, Peter, or poison, whatever word they pick to tell all the other guys in the return team, get away from the area. The punt was short. It wasn't hit perfectly. But they don't hear that for whatever reason, and that ball bounces off a foot and changes the entire game. But, Dad, when I say those blitz stats about the Kansas City Chiefs, which included a season-high nine unblocked pressures, all of which came on blitzes, Brock Purdy was 12 of 19 against the blitz yep. for 131 yards and a touchdown. He was what he had been for most of the regular season, which was stellar against the blitz, which was stellar in most cases. And I even look at this game, and Brock Purdy was largely fine. There were areas, and I think critical downs, where you had a couple of third downs late. The third and five near the end of regulation where Trent McDuffie gets a free run on Brock Purdy and was able to bother him and force a field goal, certainly in overtime. The third and four where Chris Jones comes scot-free, and I think it was a yeah. bust by Burford, the right guard on the protection on that play because no one blocks him, and it looked like everyone else's eyes were in the right spot, and you ended up with Burford at redundant blocking down on the mic on a, on a different kind of protection. But in those couple of instances, you saw that Kansas City defense bowed up in big spots. They had their best ready. I think both those third downs were coming off timeouts as well. So it was Spags versus Shanahan in the yeah. what can we dial up department? How much do I know the tendency of the other teams? And they were able to hit them there. But in general, Dad, Brock Purdy played pretty well. It wasn't, you know, perfect, he but he made some big throws. He had the great juke on the perimeter to get to that open pass to Kyle Juszczyk that would have been written in the annals of history under his MVP trophy had they gone on to win the Super Bowl. And even for Kyle Shanahan, dad, who now has another double-digit blown Super Bowl on his resume, it's hard to say, oh, well, Kyle got away from the run because we saw near the end of the game. 10-plus play drives where Christian McCaffrey was heavily featured. McCaffrey ends up with, I believe, 22 carries in this game, but 30 touches overall and some short passes that mimicked runs. In the overtime period, they went down and were able to score also largely off the back of that run game. And so it's just one of those things where they did do a lot of the things that we had asked them to do in those spots. I mean, I, even in talking to Kyle after the game, you know, we were both kind of, well, he was more commiserating because he had just lost. It, 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 it was tough to say. I, you couldn't ask the question, where did it go wrong, right? Because you're in overtime against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. It, it's tough. You can't really, you know, you, again, you get a punt that hits a guy in the ankle. I mean, you, you're looking for things on the field when you're going to talk to a coach or talk about a game after is like, okay, where did it go wrong? Double digit lead. Where did it go wrong? I, 
tough to say where went wrong. I mean, you know that again, they did. They had that. They had the the, uh, the double digit lead, but it's still Kansas City. You know, you know they're going to make some plays, so they made some plays. So there wasn't really like, oh, that that's it. That's the one that 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 cost you the game. You know, but it is amazing what a point a PAT can do, right? It's amazing what that one point can do and what it did help this game go to overtime because he makes that extra point. This game, one way or the other, the game is for the most part not going to overtime, right? So, and it was it was let, let's I'll be honest, it was a low kick. You know, when when you see a ball come out and really go end over end, that the, the kicker got under it well. When you see it kind of starting to spin a little bit sideways, that's a low kick. And you see that more on a long field goal because you got to get your foot more on it, but not at an extra point. And that kick was too low. An extra point should not be blocked by even a middleman. There wasn't a ton of penetration. He just jumped at the, you know, you time your jump in the middle. I've been there as well. And the ball was kicked low enough for it to be blocked. So that that ball has got to get up in the air more. But that's, I mean, it's amazing. You play an entire season. And we always say five or six plays a game, five or six plays a game. And you could start to point out those plays in the game where you're like, your whole friggin' season into win the Super Bowl comes down to these little plays. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It was the Chiefs won the five or six plays in the game, yeah. some by skill, some by luck, like you mentioned there, that ultimately led to this outcome. Because I think the exercise that sort of speaks to exactly what both teams' nights were like is down the waning moments of the game where the 49ers were leading, I had a hard time figuring out who was going to win the MVP. You had Juwan Jennings, who had a right, great yes. night at receiver <laughs> for the 49ers, had the touchdown pass on the trick play. You certainly had Brock Purdy in the mix. Nick Bosa and Fred Warner had both played incredible for that defensive front for the 49ers. So on that side, you weren't really sure because it had been that kind of performance for them. On the Kansas City Chiefs side, there was only one name that was going to be holding that MVP when they lifted that trophy, and it was Patrick freaking Mahomes. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr. and Mike Golik Sr., Time for a little bit of a Super Bowl edition of Miked Up Monday. Some of the best sights and sounds that we saw from the big game yesterday as the Kansas City Chiefs are again your 2023-24 Super Bowl champions. And, Dad, it makes sense that we'd start off with the bad man himself. Patrick Mahomes goes back-to-back, not only as Super Bowl champion, but Super Bowl MVP. Here he was talking about some of their decisions and mentalities late in that game. 
I mean, that's a great football team, but once we got, they stopped and held them to a field goal, our mindset was go win the game right here. Uh, once we got that ball, we, we fell short in regulation. We're not going to let it do it again. We're going to go out there and win the game. Defense got the stop, um, and we were able to do that. Dad, Mahomes has now put himself at a point at just 28 years old where in terms of postseason accomplishment, it is essentially him, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady all separate from everybody else in yep. terms of what they've done as Super Bowl champions, what they've done as postseason winners, and what they've done as multiple-time MVPs. It's incredible, and all of the conversations we had last week about legacy and GOAT conversation and him chasing Brady all continue to be on the table and accessible in a way that no one thought was possible when he took over originally. Hey, Andy and Pat are halfway to Bill and Tom, right? Bill and Tom won six, and now the, these two have won three. So, and we know Mahomes has a long way to go. And I know there was the talk of Andy and people were, were whispering about retirement. And I even talked to him last week uh, with Stu Gotts for God Bless Football. And we, I asked Andy about that. And, and he basically was like, I, you know, I don't know where that came from. I don't know. But his, his stock answer line all week to the media was, yeah, I know everybody's talking about that, but not today. Not today. You know, that, that was... That was Andy's line. I loved it. So they're on their way, man. They're on their way. And and, and what you heard him say there, because I, I ended up, and I'll get into it on the, the funny thing when I was, I got to talk to McCole Hardman, you know, on, on the field after the game for Westwood One, did an interview with him. But he basically echoed the same thing. Because I said, what was the mindset after San Francisco got the field goal? And he said, our thought all the way was touchdown. We were doing everything in our power to score a touchdown and end this game. That was the entire goal and the entire thing we talked about as we went on the field for that one. So, that, that again, that that's to go back to your point. This is a team that's been here. This is a team that has a plan. This is a team that knows exactly what they want to do. And, you know, it wasn't going all that well, especially in the first half of that game. And you credit San Francisco for that. Um Without question, because San Francisco, listen, they deserve to be in the Super Bowl. We keep saying they have the best roster in the game. And they just, unfortunately, you know, you, we, you look at times of when you run into a juggernaut, right? The Michael Jordan years, you know, the the 80s San Francisco years, the 70s Pittsburgh Steelers years, the, the obviously, the New England Patriot years with Tom and Bill. You could have a, a great team, but you just run into someone or something or some entity that is now has the D word attached to it as a dynasty and that you have to overcome them to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, I, I do want to give a ton of credit that San Francisco defense played incredibly well. We yes. talked all in the lead up to the Super Bowl about their rush defense here. And certainly Mahomes on some scrambles made up a lot of those yards, yeah. but yeah. they held Isaiah Pacheco to about 3.3 yards per carry. They were dynamite against the run. Eric Armstead, and the Javon yep. Kinlaw and those guys on the interior. Fred Warner was a banshee. And the ends, Chase Young came into this game much maligned. Had a sack Whoa. early on. They got Kansas City into a lot of long downs and distances early on, Dad. I said in the first half of this game, in seven drives, the Kansas City Chiefs had, f had four negative plays 
on first down, either penalties or lost yardage because of a play made by the uh, 49ers defense that let their defensive, uh, that, excuse me, let their defensive ends get great one-on-one opportunities against the weakest part of the Chiefs offensive line, those tackle positions, and get home. They rushed with great lane integrity. They kept Mahomes bottled up inside. They did a lot of the things you need they to did. do to bother this team in the first half, and I really point to that two-minute drill for Kansas City at the end of the first half as the spot where because you just got to get up there and go and it's a lot of instinct and it's read and react that started to be where Mahomes in this offense got a lot more comfortable and I think that carried over into a lot of their second half game plan they did and even though that you know I, I always like to try and look for the glass half full you know Kansas City is going to get some drives but I I was even like at the end of the half I was like kudos to San Francisco they held them to a field goal you know, they come in with the sack at right at the end of that, of that drive before the half for Kansas City and make them have to kick a field goal. Like I said, Kansas City didn't do great in the red zone. Uh, and they, they were getting field goals or that turnover first off and not letting them in the end zone. That defense was playing well. That Mike, the aggressiveness of the San Francisco defense, and I talked to Fred Warner on Monday about their about their run run defense and how bad it had been, and he talk, was talking about lane integrity and then the want to to get to the ball. These guys were flying all over the place. They were un, they were the, the aggressor. They were the better team uh, early on in this game. Obviously, it's a 60-minute or more game. I'll tell you, that defense took a blow when Dre Greenlaw went out. Dre Gre- Greenlaw, yeah. I, I've never seen this, never. And I didn't realize it either, and you, and you said it before the show, that he didn't play in Week 18. Now, they had the number one seed wrapped up, but also he had Achilles tendonitis. I, this dude was just running onto the field to start a series, and his Achilles snapped. I mean, I, it was he's running out. We're, we're all in each other's ears going, wait a minute. He was just running onto the field, and he went down, you know, on, on the sideline. And he ends up tearing his Achilles. Uh, between him and Fred Warner, I know it, it, I equate, you look at best duo linebackers, you're looking at a Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen from Baltimore. But these two are right there. Fred Warner is the first-team All-Pro. He's the best linebacker in the game. And Dre, Lee, Dre Greenlaw is the enforcer on that defense. That dude plays with an unbelievable attitude. Uh, and and that, that definitely hurt their defense when he went out. There's no doubt about it, but all of it led to Patrick Mahomes still lifting that Super Bowl MVP trophy. He now becomes, along with Tom Tom Brady and Joe Montana, and was already the only three players in NFL history with multiple MVPs in the regular season and Super Bowl MVPs. He's already at third now for most appearances by a quarterback ever in a Super Bowl. He's the youngest player to appear in four Super Bowls uh, at just 28 years old. So he has got that all wrapped up. But, Dad, let's get to his counterpart as we get to this next bit of sound. Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid had a little bit of a dust-up on the sideline early in the game that was seen by many, and uh, both of them pretty mum on it after the game when asked about it. Take a listen. He caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He a cheap shot, but that's all right. He did good. <laughs> um, he was really coming over just to go, just put me in, I'll score, I'll score. You know, so that's really what it was. Well, I love that. I mean, it's not the first time, so I listen, I appreciate him. I was just telling him how much I love him. <laughs> so dad he was uh travis oh. said after the game talking i think svp hey i'm gonna stick with that line unless my mic'd up from the game gets me from yeah. nfl films but uh, as he pointed out dad and as andy reed pointed out this is always who travis kelsey's been 
Yeah, yeah, it has. And, and I, I stayed on on that sideline for the first half, so I was right down there when that happened. And listen, the guys, the guys animated. The guy's emotional, and he was frustrated. Like I said, at the, that point, basically most, I think for that first half, you're talking like one reception for one yard. It was one of them quick little screens that that aggressive San Francisco defense just smoked him when he caught the ball, and he only gained the one yard. And, and now it wasn't like they were airing out the ball. You know, Patrick hadn't thrown a ton of passes at that point. But you look at the game against Baltimore when they won at 17-10, right? When, as I've been talking about a lot of us all week, that defense had been carrying the team. They only put up 17 points against Baltimore. But even in that in that low offensive output, Travis Kelsey had 11 catches. So he's still a big part of that offense, and he was frustrated he wasn't. Now he ends up with nine and a big part, obviously, of the offense. But there were a couple of players that were pulling him aside after that, trying to calm him down a little bit. But that's just Travis. I mean, Travis gets emotional. He gets going. He believes and pretty much is the best player that's out on that field, you know, to catch a ball. And he was just frustrated he wasn't getting the chance on He was also staying in to chip on Bosa quite a bit as well. <laughs> You saw the frustration. It was the ultimate no, 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 yes on that deep throw behind him on that first bomb that Patrick yeah, Mahomes threw yeah. early in the game where Travis is wide open. He's giving Mahomes the hands, and then he looks behind and sees the big catch and all of a sudden starts to celebrate. Dad Cole Kublik tweeted this out, though, about his importance to the team. In three Super Bowl wins, Mahomes has targeted Kelsey 22 times, 21 completions, 217 yards, and two touchdowns for the Big Yeti. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It's time for a little cash it or trash it as we start to already Look ahead to the offseason for both of these teams. Uh, Cash It or Trash It is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO because life's more fun when you're in the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. The Super Bowl odds for next season are already up, Dad. And the 49ers, currently your odds-on favorites at plus 550, with the Chiefs actually second at plus 650. Uh, Dad, after winning Super Bowl 58, they talked about it and were asked about it a lot after the game. How you feeling about a three-peat for the Kansas City Chiefs? Man, you know, I mean, two-peat is hard enough. Obviously, uh, back-to-backer, you know, last time we had it was, what, 03-04 with the Patriots. So mm -hmm. it's tough to do. It, it's be tough to, to lay odds on that, I think. And San Francisco being at the top, I get it. 
I get it. They have the best roster in the league. I mean, this is one of those where the frustration level of not being able to end up at the top of the mountain, when you do that, now they remember some of the differences here. They have a quarterback who's still on his rookie salary, rookie seventh rounder. You know, he's still making basically peanuts. So you can spend the money out there. Kansas City, they have a few free agents. Sneed's a free agent. Edwards, Drew Tranquil, Donovan Smith. By the way, quick side note to that. Their left tackle, Donovan Smith's a free agent. This is the fourth Super Bowl that 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 uh, Pat's played in. It's his fourth left to tackle. Four different yeah. left tackles in his four Super Bowls. Uh, but th- that being said, so and then Chris Jones and I talked to Chris Jones on Monday, not not during our interview, but kind of kind of off air about. And I told him, you know, you know, good on you for ending up, you know, the way it worked out with your contract. You only had the one year deal, right? The franchise tag with some incentives on it. And now, now is going to get paid off. We, we talked about the big gap between Aaron Donald. And then I, I forgot the next guy in line. It's like 31 million to 24 million. Well, Chris Jones is a guy that, that, that eats that space up, right? He's the guy that that's going to start to get close to Aaron Donald money and he deserves it. You know, he, de- he deserves waiting it out and making that move. You know, just like we talked about Justin Metabike from uh, Baltimore Ravens, who in a different scenario is the end of his rookie deal and turned down an extension by Baltimore and is now going to probably make 20 mil a year. Chris Jones, they got to pay the guy, right? But now you got to pay guys. Remember, you're paying Mahomes. He's already in, in into his big deal. So you have that as a cap hit where you don't have that yet for the 49ers, a big quarterback cap hit. So they have the potential to hold on to the team more than Kansas City with guys that you have to pay or bring in to kind of fill slots. Because I'm I'm sure even though they're Super Bowl champs, they're still going to kind of look for that receiving side, right? You have Rasheed Rice, who did a great job as a rookie. But, I mean, it was, it was hit or miss for a while. And the miss a lot was the 33 drops in the regular season, which led the NFL. So... You know they're going to – you always tinker every year. Whatever team you end up with is always going to be a new team the next year. So do, will they have a harder time with things because of a money situation? They have the youngest defense in the NFL, which certainly yep. works to their favor. They did the job. The, the hard part when you pay a quarterback is having to hit on a lot of these draft picks, and they've sort of nailed it, especially they in have. that young secondary that they hockey line changed from a few years ago. Remember when – you know, Mahomes came in, it was the Tyron Matthew-led secondary. It was the Honey Badgers yep. group back there at that jack-of-all-trade spot. Dad, it becomes interesting, though, how they go about doing it on that side. Cap space-wise, they've got about $24 million in cap space, according to Over the Cap. And to your point about the defensive tackle contract, because I think that's where the conversation starts, it's are they going to be able to bring Chris Jones back? He's a guy who sat out game one of the season trying to get that new long-term deal. So you know he's looking to maximize his value. In terms of overall contract value, Quinn and Williams sits at number one with four years, $96 million overall. In terms of average annual value, Aaron Donald leads all defensive tackles with $31.6 million annually uh, with his contract guaranteed at signing. Deron Payne led the party there. So you had that grouping of Deron Payne, Quinn and Williams, Jeffrey Simmons that all got paid this last offseason now. But, Dad, you have to imagine Chris Jones is going to push that number yeah. well north of $30 million, And it's going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs can and are willing to afford that, considering you're also going to have to pay LeJarrius Sneed, who's younger and plays in that defensive backfield that was so dynamite for you. 
Yeah, that, that's going to be the big thing, right? I mean, it's going to be Chris Jones, and what are you going to do with him? Now, I, I know San Francisco doesn't have as much cap space, and they have a lot of stars on that offense, some under contract, obviously, and some are going to be looking for big paydays. But I think you said it right with Snead and with McDuffie and with Reed, what they've done in that secondary. Nick Bolton, you know, a young player as well at the linebacker position. I mean, they they have got themselves set up really nicely, but – you are going to have on the on that defensive line if he comes back one of the highest paid interior D linemen outside of Aaron Donald in the league. So you're going to have to deal with that. But we know we can you can deal with that by a number of years and spreading out to keep the cap space cap number as low as you want. But this is always the chore every year. I mean, teams aren't just looking at next year's cap space; they're looking out a number of years, saying and try and project you know, what they're going to have. And we've already seen, you mentioned it, the secondary changeup Kansas City's done, and on offense, the, the changeup they've done at the wide, especially the wide receiver position, the left tackle position, yet they're a dynasty. So kudos to that organization, <laughs> you know, for, for guys that are going to walk into the Hall of Fame, starting with their quarterback and their coach, to be able to deal with all. We saw that. I mean, this is what, this is what uh, uh, Bill Belichick did, right? I mean, Bill Belichick sure. was the king of getting rid of players as they were hitting their peak and going to need big deals, and he was, like, letting them go, right? And he was bringing in versatile, cheaper players, and they were winning. Well, and that'll be interesting because it, it, with the past as predictive, that's exactly what they did with Tyree Kill. It came time right. for him to get money. They decided they were not going to pay that, and all they've done since is win back-to-back -back Super Bowls with this roster, including – According to our buddy Aaron Schatz over at FTN and his DVOA efficiency stat, defense adjusted value over average, especially um, essentially a more specific fine-tuned efficiency metric. According to that, the Chiefs just won this Lombardi going through the most difficult postseason schedule ever ever based on who they played between the Ravens team that was in all-time territory, the Bills team that rebounded after that 6-6 six and six start to look like a juggernaut by the end, a Dolphins team that was less than themselves. But all that being is this roster felt like it was the least of all the Mahomes teams that we had seen, and they went through that road and did that so you feel some confidence if they were to say, hey, we're going to let you know Chris Jones walk if he wants to make $34 million a year because we look at Steve Spagnuolo and what he did in that game. Again, the amount of free hitters that they had going towards the quarterback, Dad, a lot of that is, one, the prowess of those defensive players, but two, how well they're coached, how well it's schemed up in this game. You talked about Trent McDuffie. He had seven they uh on that third and five late in the game when he got that pressure. It was his sixteenth unblocked pressure of the year, yeah. including the playoffs. That's five more than any NFL defensive back because you've got a coordinator that's willing to put those guys in those spots that is so well known for crafting these game plans that even if they were to lose a Chris Jones dad. You feel pretty confident because of guys they've drafted like George Karloftis well, and certainly that linebacker and secondary group that Spags is going to make it work. I mean, they've proven it, just like Bill Belichick proved it. And this is all based around the fact that when you have an all-timer quarterback, right, which he did in Tom yeah. and which Andy does in Pat, of what you can build around. Throw in the fact that Tom had Gronk for a bit, obviously, and Pat has Kelsey, and you fit the pieces in around that. Uh, even around a big contract, which in all honesty, it was more more team friendly to Kansas City, quite honestly, even though it's a half a billion dollars. It sounds yeah. like an incredible amount, but they're going to be able to work with that over time. So we'll see where they go in San Francisco being, you know, uh, the, the best odds to win. I get it. You sit there and look at their 
free agents, none of their big-time players, I'm looking here, unless I'm missing it, that they have to deal with as, as free agents, right? I mean, they just brought in Chase Young. He yeah. is, but just like Montez Sweat, who went to the Bears, they took care of him and signed him. But really, you go down the list, and it's a long list of unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents, and it's it's not a ton. Their they're, they're guys are either had deals or are set right now, so they, they don't have to go as far with that. Yeah, we'll talk more about the 49ers later on, but I think the consensus with the Chiefs is exactly what you described is you might have to offset the loss of Chris Jones if he costs too much. And then offensively, you're going after wide receiver, which, buddy, is it a deep draft. And then I do think there's going to be some conversation about offensive tackle there as well. But the Chiefs dynasty looks like it's in great position to keep on reigning. Dad, I want to get to some of the other show within the show on the Super Bowl yeah. when it comes to the halftime show and the commercials that are a big part of everyone. And we've got the the interesting dichotomy here because you've been in the stadium for now the last three Super Bowls. You see these Super Bowl halftime shows from a completely different angle than the rest of us. But before we get to that, just because you and I were talking about it off air, and just because I don't know if we've said it enough today, but I want to give the credit it's due because as we talk about this Kansas City Chiefs win, we're going to look forward, we're going to do all this stuff. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is still yep. probably going to be underrated and under-talked about because of the Mahomes factor. It's the easy candy. It's the shiny object in front of everyone, Dad. But sitting here now this morning watching back Trent McDuffie highlights, what he was able to do on the back end and as a blitzer in coverage. We've talked about the linebackers. Chris Jones in this defensive Brex. Mike Pinnell, their defensive tackle, had a great game against the run. They were a war machine for so much of this game after an initial flurry by the 49ers. They kept the Chiefs in it long enough enough for Kansas City's offense to come online so I do just want to give Steve Spagnola, who said he wants to be a head coach again and yet got no looks this offseason in the last cycle where all these jobs were open here Spags and that side of the football dad were a top five unit all year in so many statistical categories and went out and played like it they were dominant in this postseason stretch and deserve to be talked about as such they did, and that's why I compared it to the early on um, Tom Brady Super Bowls that were led by New England's defense. And a lot of the comparison I brought up this year was Tom's Super Bowl and Tampa Bay. They don't even get to the Super Bowl without that. what that Tampa Bay defense did, especially in the postseason. This Kansas City defense, and you're right about Spagnuolo. I mean, he is now right there, though. This is his fifth Super Bowl as a D coordinator. He's right there with Dick LeBeau. The great Dick LeBeau has his five appearances as D coordinator in the Super Bowl. So kudos to what he has done, because as we know, this offense has been down a little bit this year for Kansas City. But Pat Mahomes, that's what you can always say. But the defense, and you mentioned it, they, they always find the players and, and how they've rebooted. You mentioned McDuffie, who had a year. Sneed, the way he's playing. Justin Reed, you know, right at the top, you know, as far as uh, tackles as well on this team. Nick Bolton at the linebacker position. Chanel at the linebacker position. Drew Tranquil came in and did a nice job this year coming over to them. And then on the D-line, we, we're not sure about Chris Jones, but you talked about it. Pinnell, Karloftis. I mean, they, they have players at every level, and then you throw in the, the game-calling – of spags of spags and 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 how 
as we, we talked about, this was a team that was in the low 20s or high 20s, I should say, of blitz rate during the regular season. And they just kind of turned that on, part of it on, in the postseason. I will say overall between regular season and postseason, they ended up blitzing overall. So regular and postseason included the sixth highest rate in the NFL at 36.3% yeah. of dropbacks. So they got after people. There's no they doubt did. about that to yeah. the tune of the fourth fewest pass yards per game allowed in the NFL, the fourth fewest passing touchdowns and second in sacks behind only the Baltimore Ravens this year. So an absolute death star unit that redefined how the chiefs yep. can win football games now. And I'd imagine going, Going forward but dad let's talk about throwing it back a little bit the halftime performance I have enjoyed becoming the center of the NFL's Venn diagram when it comes to their halftime show decisions they are catering to 90s and early 2000s nostalgia that is directly pointed at me and the millennials and bringing Usher back for the halftime show this year was square in the crosshairs of that and dad overall uh, so from my vantage point at home you obviously saw it in the stadium and I want to hear about that I thought it lived up to it. It was so many of the hits you'd expect. They started off with Caught Up. It included You Don't Have to Call, Loving This Club, I Ain't Got You, My Boo, Confessions, Nice and Slow. He played all the hits. All of the guest appearances hit really well. You had Alicia Keys for If I Ain't Got You and My Boo. You had her come out for Bad Girl and You Got It Bad playing the guitar and absolutely oh. kicking ass. And then you had Lil John and Ludacris show up for Turn Down for What. And yeah, like all of them hit the right notes in that performance. The only thing that was off was that apparently everybody on the internet all at the same time thought that Jermaine Dupree was CeeLo Green in a way that made everyone oh kind gosh. of uncomfortable. Yeah. That makes people a little uncomfortable. So let's be honest. The halftime show is for the TV audience. All right. And and I don't know how it sounded like I I asked your mom and she said it looked it looked great on TV. At least that's what I got because in the stadium and this went on like Monday night when you had the uh, the media night and all the players were talking and they would have things over the PA system. You can't understand it very well. Now, when it was just like a lone voice or a lone instrument, like Post Malone, God Bless America, and playing the, the guitar was awesome. And if you were being in the building, you could hear it because that's all it was, was the guitar and him singing was phenomenal. Reba McIntyre, you could hear the acoustics were great when she played the national anthem. I'm not going to lie, Mike. I mean, I knew the songs from the beat, but couldn't understand the words. Now, I don't know if because I was on the floor, on you know, on the ground floor, I don't know if people up in the stands could hear it or not, but you could you could barely hear it. Now, what you Alicia Keys on the guitar, because that's what she was just going on that. That was one of the highlights. That was fantastic. And you of course, her watching her. I'm sorry. All right. She was phenomenal. And by the way, your mother did beat her in the New York Marathon, just to throw that in there. Uh, and then My mom beat um, Alicia Keys in the New York Marathon, Alicia. not her in the New York Marathon. Her on the guitar, Alicia Keys getting beat by my mom in I'm the sorry. New York Marathon. I'm sorry. My fault. The, that, that guitar was, was fantastic. You could, you could get all of that. Um, uh, but you just the dancing, obviously, of Usher is phenomenal. But we just, just could not understand the words very well. He spoke the international language, which was just continuing to remove clothing. Now, he also highlighted this performance by roller skating around there and all that. But the amount of texts that I got from women in my life 
who said that Usher was part of their sexual awakening as a teen was just reinforced by the guy who just kept, every time he'd go through, he just kept shedding clothing until finally dad, and I don't know if you noticed this, in the very last one where they did turn down for what, yeah, where he had Ludacris come back yeah. on oh, yeah. for the yeah. verse in, yeah, they looked like they were dressed like um, the Globo Gym team from Dodgeball. Yeah with the pads on and what looked like the chest and abs there, I saw the meme starting to pop up of Ben Stiller pictured next to Usher in that spot, and it looked spot on. Uh, let me tell you, that one caught me off guard, seeing everybody coming out in, in roller skates. I was like, what the hell's going on? Coming out in rollerblades. I'm like, what, what, what are we doing here? And then dancing with them on, I'm like thinking about the, the amount of bones I would break trying that, but that was a twist I did not see coming. I think it was overall very solid halftime performance. I don't even know if it topped Rihanna from last year, quite honestly. I thought the per the staging around Rihanna, who was doing that halftime show pregnant, was stellar. I thought it rendered really well on television. You had Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar the year before that were incredible. But this one more than held its own, more than lived up to what I expected there. The commercials, Dad, at this point, I think are sort of a mixed bag overall. That's why I didn't want to spend a ton of time with them. It's kind of jumped the shark as being the most important viewing part of the Super Bowl. You didn't get to see any of them, so I no. will just give you homework for later on today. There are really two, and then everyone else in my mind. There is the Arnold Schwarzenegger-driven agent from State Farm commercial that was incredible, that has a great callback that you won't see coming at the beginning of this. And then it's the Duncan commercial. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Tom Brady, Fat Joe in there as I think the hands-down funniest commercial of the Super Bowl it is something that is going to be incredibly giving of meme content, as Ben Affleck always is when he's surrounded by Duncan. So that's the one you got to go check out. Yeah, I, like I said, that's the third year of me not being able to see commercials. That's one of the downsides of being not a lot of downside to be able to work the game, but not see the commercials because that's something we'd always talk about the next day. But uh, that's the one I'm going to check out because that's all I've heard is that was the commercial to see of all the money. What was it six to seven million dollars? for a 30-second commercial, so you better make sure it hits. And it sounds like the Duncan ad hit pretty well. The Dung Kings, as they are called. Uh, you can go ahead oh. and book this right now. The most popular male friend group costume for Halloween in 2024, the Dung Kings. Get ready for it coming to a street block near you. Sorry, I got confused on, or, or confused it on the. I knew it was her because they said it and mentioned it, obviously, with old man guitar. saying thought, stupid stuff yet again. I, I, I yeah, I completely, <laughs> uh, I, I knew it was. I would say that was the third to post was number one. Usher's dancing was number two, and her on the guitar was number three to me, as far as the post show, because because I couldn't understand any words. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.